Now they do that for a few weeks, couple months, and, and then finally get, I get to the Old Testament. And so that's what I'm beginning now. And I only have a few weeks because Thanksgiving and Christmas are coming rapidly. But I'm going to spend a few weeks. And, and the series will have to do with salvation history. <laughs> There's a German word for that, actually. I learned it in college. I'm amazed I still remember. Heilsgeschichte. I knew that you'd give me extra points for saying that. <laughs> the great German theologians use that term to refer to the history, the salvation history found in the Bible. So I'm going to talk about salvation history. And we're going to talk about the need for it and then some of the things that God does along the line. And these are going to be a huge outline of just, just the main, the mountain peaks. We're not going to talk about any of the valleys or any of the trees or anything in between. Big, big events. But of course... It begins with the book of Genesis and the creation of the earth. By the way, <laughs> I really wanted to follow this up by giving people an opportunity to talk about it. So in, 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 in talking to Olivia, we decided, well, let's a Sunday afternoon, maybe around 4 o'clock. And so if any of this that sort of bring some questions like, like, oh man, I need to ask about this. Come. Now the problem is I was going to start today. But we have all this stuff going on outside and the church is involved where you have a booth out there we want to present to the public our church and, it, and that goes until 5 o'clock. And I don't want to cut the very people who are working hard to promote the church. I don't want to cut them out of that opportunity. So not tonight. Uh, and, and next week, I thought, okay, good, good. We'll start next week. Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't really want to because, because of this. This church community check-in at potluck at, at 6. Don't miss it. Uh, it's going to be good. Um, and if I do a 4 o'clock Bible study and then go to 5.30 and then you start the, the church community potluck discussion thing at 6.00, Huh. You will have spent all day in church, <laughs> which is okay with me. <laughs> but um, I, I don't want to wear you out entirely, maybe a little bit, but not entirely. So, the next week, I can hardly wait. So, if, you, if any of this creates some questions in your mind, we decided to do this in person as opposed to being doing Zoom. Um, we, do, we do a lot of Zoom stuff. I love Zoom. I thank God for Zoom. Um, but sometimes you just need to be together. You need to have a cup of coffee together and some cheese and crackers or something and, 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 and talk. So that's what we'll do. So here we are, Genesis. I'm going to read the first five verses, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 24. So if you'd like, 
Stand for the reading of the scriptures, beginning with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Now, what follows is the creation of sky, land, the seas, water, vegetation, birds, fish, and then animals. And now, verse 26. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind, the livestock and the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals and each according to its kind. And it, and it was so. And God made the wild animals according to their, to their kinds, the livestock according to the kinds, and the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Now, verse 26. And God said, let us, that's interesting, isn't it? It's in the plural. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the, in the air and over the livestock and wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in numbers. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, every tree that has fruit with seed in it, and they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath, the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thank you, you may be seated. <laughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's what this entire text is all about. 
God did it. We are not a cosmic accident. It was not by chance we came into being. There was design and a designer. There was purpose. That's what this whole book is about. God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. And then he said, <laughs> oh, this is very good. That strikes me as an understatement. It's beautiful. It's magnificent. So breathtaking. For example, just look up. When you're outside, look up and, and see the stars at night. Everything totally black. There's nothing to see, right? Oh no, no. When you look up and it's totally dark out, the, and there's no clouds. I mean, the stars, the moon. There has been a most magnificent, glorious moon lately. I hope you noticed. Oh. And, and then in the morning to see the sunrise, or, and then at the end of the day to see the sun set and, and to see if there's some clouds in the sky. It is magnificent. It is beautiful. The, the oranges, the yellows, the blues, the greens, all kind of blending together. It's, it's magnificent. Look up. I mean, so, sometimes, sometimes, these are rare moments, but sometimes you probably all see it. There is a rainbow. Magnificent. Look up. And then, of course, look down. Look down at the grass of the fields and the flowers of the field. And some of you are really, really good at planting and caring for some of this. You plant the seeds and you plant these little plants and, and then you, you fertilize, you give them all the right stuff and you make sure that they have enough light, enough food, enough water, and all that stuff. And then watch them grow. Oh, my goodness. The magnificence, the, the beauty of it. And some of you bring beautiful flowers to church to share with us. because You have to say, look at what God has done. It's magnificent. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And it's wonderful. I'm so glad that some of you have this gift of gardening. But you didn't create it. All you did was take care of it. And thank God some of you take care of God's creation far better than I do. And look at what happens. When you're at home and, and you have... A little child, look down. Oh, a baby, a newborn infant. Takes your breath away. So perfect. 
soft, silky hair, little nubby nose, sweet little eyes, and even through the first few weeks, he can begin to get a little smile on his face, her face. And his parents, and you, you count all the fingers, oh yeah, he's got five of them. <laughs> My mother said she did this. She had seven children. I was the last one. She counted all of our fingers. I don't know why. <laughs> because it's just so magnificent. So beautiful. So wonderful. God's creation. Look up. Look down. And then look out. Don't you love to stand beside the shore and stand on the sand? Oh, if you are so lucky, be there as the sun sits down over the waters and the magnificent, magnificent sunsets, the sunrise. Oh. To say it's good, <laughs> that's an understatement. I mean, God created the heavens and the earth and it was magnificent. Some of us aren't content at seeing the beauty around us. We have to travel and see even more beauty. You don't have to travel to see God's beautiful creation. But if you do, <laughs> my son Gregory moved to Southern California, and the first time we visited him, he said, Dad, we need to go out into the desert and see this national park that's called Joshua Tree National Park. Desert, right? There's nothing there in the desert to see. Oh, wrong! <laughs> these, these trees, I have to put in the quotes, they look like trees. They're, they're six, seven, eight feet high and, and they, they look like they have branches. But they're not trees as we think of trees. They're cactuses. Unbelievable. They look like trees. The desert. And I don't know if you've had the privilege of seeing this. I, I, I'm, I am so privileged. My wife and I, and when Gregory was a teenager, went across the country. We saw some of the great national parks, including Yellowstone. And you know about Yellowstone? Old Faithful, the, the geyser. Every 90 minutes, this thing spouts off. <laughs> With over 5,000 gallons of water, it just spurts up into the air. 180 feet in the air. And then they does that once, and, and then it spouts off again, and this time it's only 100 feet, and then the next time it's only 75 feet, and the next time it's lower, and, and then finally it stops, and you have to wait another hour and a half. 
And people come from all over the world. I mean, this is magnificent. This is worth driving for. This is an amazing, amazing thing. And, and, and when I was there, after the big spurt went off and people cheered, you know, and, and then the next one, and then it got lower, and people began to get up and leave. I waited. There was a part of me that said, wait, wait a minute. Sit down, sit down, sit down. There's a show. Is it over yet? And as soon as it's over, we're going to start singing how great thou art. <laughs> I restrained myself. It was hard. So magnificent. God did it. God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. I could go on longer than you have time to sit. <laughs> Twenty years ago, there was a, a doctor that was coming to church with his wife and family. He was an eye surgeon who became an eye research person, worked at Yale. When I found out about that, I thought, oh. <laughs> I told him everything I knew in one sentence <laughs> about eyes. I said, yeah, there's so many cells in the eye working together. I said, to understand all that, you have to believe in God. And he said, oh, it's much more significant than that. He said, if you understood the words of one single cell in the eye, you'd have to believe in God. God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. And you know what we do? Argue. We argue about how God did it. We argue about how long it took. Oh, we split churches over things like this. <laughs> it, 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 some say, well, it, God, the Bible says that God created the heavens and earth in six 24-hour days. Hmm. Yeah, kind of looks like that. <laughs> And others say, no. Second Peter chapter 3 says that a thousand years is like a day in the eyes of the Lord. So it, I think that Peter could also have said that a hundred thousand years is like a day. Eyes of the Lord. I suppose he could have said that a million years is like a day. Eyes of the Lord. And so they take that text to Genesis 1 and they say, what the scriptures are saying is that there are six different epics. First of all, God created light 
And then the next stage of creation is that God created the heavens and the waters and land. And then the next stage of creation, God created vegetation. And then the next stage, he created the birds and the fish and the people of the land. And then finally, the great, great, great culmination of creation, he created mankind. So when scientists look at this and say that the earth is at least a billion years old, I don't have any problem with that. If you do, fine. I can't split a church over stuff like that. I can't argue about it. If you, if you give me a point of view, I have to say, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Whether it agrees with me or not, it's magnificent. God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. That's the point of this text. I have a more significant question. Not how, but why. What did he do? When you read the Revelation, you get this little glimpse into heaven. It's magnificent. <laughs> Do you know what God paves the roads with? Gold! <laughs> Magnificent! It's paving material for God. Heaven is magnificent beyond all comprehension. And all the heavenly beings do exactly what God wants. Gabriel, go down and, and, and speak to Mary and tell her she's about to have a baby. And, and it's a, oh, no problem. Right to it. Because that's what angels do. That's what heavenly beings do. And according to the texts in, in Revelation, they spent all of creation praising him who was, who is, and who is to come. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Oh, the beings of heaven can't stop worshiping and praising and serving God. It's in their DNA. It's what they have to do. It's what they are. It's who they are in their deepest of personhood or creaturehood. But there was something God didn't have. He didn't have a creature, a person, who would do what God wanted him to do. Just because they wanted to. So he created this magnificent world to put Adam and Eve in it. with almost no limitations, no boundaries. You 
green of every tree. Everything is yours. Except for one thing. There's a tree in the middle of the garden. Don't touch it. If you do, you'll die. But he gave them that option. He created us as free moral agents with the ability to say yes, willingly, gladly, you've done so much for me. Or you can say, uh, tree looks pretty good to me. You can say, I think that God's trying to hold out on me. You can say, God doesn't want everything that's good for me. And you can say, I'm not listening. I'm going to do what I want to do. biblical word for that is sin. It's the willful choosing to do that which God said no to. It's the willful ignoring of the boundaries. When we say yes to God, it's life-giving. When we say no to God, it's death-producing. And that's us. If you've ever come to the point in your life where you have repented of your stupidity and your sins, you have begun the process of saying yes to God. Willingly. <laughs> My dear friend, Lubin, will laugh and talk about it. He's not in Haiti right now, but when we go to the Dominican Republic, he does evangelism. He gathers people around him. And after having talked to him for half an hour, he has them hold hands and, I, and they all pray and accept Jesus together. And one time, one, one woman walked away. He was so upset, concerned for her. He didn't want to see that happen. It doesn't usually happen. And I said, Lubin, Pastor Lubin. In order to say a significant yes, you must be able to say a deliberate no. We're free moral agents. God made us that way. When Jesus taught us to pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, a wonderful expression of praise. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so teaching that part of the prayer, he calls us to ask God for that marvelous time on earth when only God's will is done. Only God's will. Where everybody says a willing yes. Someday, I don't know what it's going to take. I pray for it daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Don't let anybody go hungry. That's not God's will. Let your will be done on earth. Can you imagine where everybody chooses to God's will, not their own? There is no more war. When God's will is done, the Israelis and the Palestinians get together. Oh, you need, you need this land? No problem, no problem. Oh, you need water from the Jordan River? No problem here. And what can we do to help you? What can we do to share? What can we do to get along? You, 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 you go to Russia and Russia says to the Ukrainians, what can I do? I'm so sorry for the pain I've caused you. Please accept my sincere repentance. Is there anything I can do to help you? Because now I love God and I will do anything to help God's will be done earth as it is in heaven. Well, it can begin now, today, among us as we pray. Pray with me. in my church. Let your will be done in my country. Let your will be done all over the earth as it is in heaven. Amen.
life, the ups and downs. Joy comes from a consistent and focused relationship with Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. I'm about to close out here. I'm going to turn it back over to Kathy. And she's going to... I don't know what she's going to do. <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Aren't you? Do you know anyone who's living this level of life? Joy unspeakable. Full of joy. Do you know anyone? How do we live a focused life in Christ? Verse 14, and then I'm, I think I'm done. Kathy, is that okay? <laughs> John 15, verse 14. Watch this. You are my friends if you do what I command. God expects our obedience. He expects it. He doesn't just want us to obey. He demands that we obey. Wow. What kind of life are you living? It is a, is a life that counts. Is Jesus Christ the focus of your life? That means that everything you do centers around him. Everything. I'll close with this one sentence. Christianity, a Christian, disciple, follower of Jesus, is not a part-time life a sometime life. It is not. It's an all-time life. It's a surrendered life. Giving up of self. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, that is the cry of our hearts this morning. Your people calling. In repentance, forgive us of our self-righteousness, of our pride, of our disobedience, a selfish life that, Lord, we come before you this morning with one desire upon our hearts, and that's living a focused life in you and through you. Lord, I pray, and this is a bold prayer, whatever it takes, Lord, in the life of your people, professing Christians, your church, whatever it takes to bring us to our knees. and live 
a life centered on you. Put it before us, Lord. Put it before us. And in making that statement, I see one person. I see Jesus Christ. And then I see the power of the Holy Spirit working upon those that are within the sound of these words, this prayer, whether it be in this building or online. Specifically, people online. You're welcome in the house of the Lord. Don't make him a life of convenience. God is calling us to be one in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit moves within those that have been listening, those that have ears to hear. And the Holy Spirit moves them before your throne, on their knees, in repentance. and a desire to abide, to remain in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please stand, respond to how God has spoken to you this morning, whether you be here physically or you're visiting us online. There are people online that will respond to you in prayer, information giving. Whatever it may, you may need in your life this morning, you can find it in Christ Jesus. Kathy?